What's up, gamers? Welcome to Battle Mallet Podcast, episode 27, Hex Ed Garrix Reavers. Uh, the Battle Mallet Podcast is a podcast delving into the minds of four busy gamers. What would have been their annual journey to the Nova Open Convention, um, as it stands now, it's just our annual gaming journey, uh, which includes playing games that we love and balancing life with those games. Uh, I'm Jared Johnson, and tonight I am here with Trey Side. Oh, I'm here. Jason, table new Murray. <laughs> new Underworld stuff! And special guest, Stephen Cavanis. Hi. <laughs> um, that was perfect. No, nah, it was great. I loved it. Yeah, because, you know, we're super professional and we didn't warn Stephen that he was supposed to say anything after we introduced him. So um, That was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> We are going to make some changes to kind of how we title our episodes and how we record. Um, we have of late been venturing into more and more topics, especially with the addition of Marvel Crisis Protocol and all of the new games coming out for Games Workshop, Ninth edition coming out for 40K. So we want to make sure that the content of our episodes is a little more focused um, and that'll allow specific listeners to listen to the content that they want and not have to skip through um, content that they're not interested in. So uh, we'll denote specific topics and specific content by titles. So anything that's going to be Underworlds related will be Hex Ed. Uh, and then we will let our audience sit in suspense as far as uh, what those other headers will be for other content. Uh, but we just want to make it more focused, hopefully uh, create more focused episodes uh, with uh, less kind of rambling and and you know There's maybe shorter episodes as we go on uh, as i ramble here always explaining rambling. what we're doing um so with that in mind this will be an episode uh based on warhammer underworld's content and with that uh let's uh we'll talk about what we're going to talk about so a uh, couple of topics to con- to cover we've got the path to glory team league which is a, a remote underworld's uh, three-man team league that we've been participating in. There's been the FAR update. Uh, we have new upcoming releases for Warhammer Underworlds. And then uh, the last section that we'll cover it will be uh, a Reavers deck that we've kind of been playing around with. Jason spent the most time with it. Uh, but something that we think, that we've put together that we think is a lot of fun to play and uh, kind of breathes some new life uh, into the already popular Reavers. But before we get into that, uh, we do have special guest Stephen Cavanis with us. Uh, we met Stephen uh, through Warhammer Underworlds uh, uh, locally here in the Triangle area, and he's been playing with us um, for some time. So as we do for all of our guests, Stephen, we want to ask you three questions so that our listeners can get to know you. And then once we wrap that up, we'll jump into the rest of the episode. So Stephen. Fire away. Yeah, so the first question that we always want to ask is, what is your earliest memory of board gaming? Oh, man. I remember, like, way back in, like, grade school playing Risk with my buddies on, like, the bedroom floor. Nice. That's probably, like, the first memory. Either that or sitting at the kitchen table with my dad playing chess. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think both of those have come up, so I think those are pretty popular introductions to the games. Um, so the next question is, how did you come across miniatures gaming? So what's your first memory of miniatures gaming? Miniatures. 
Oh, man. My first memory, it was, oh, I was probably like 15, 16, something like that. We were going down to visit my brother at college, and we stopped at a mall. So I'm like walking around while my family's shopping and stuff. And I run across the store with all these really cool miniatures in the window. It was a games workshop store. And this guy, like the store employee, he invites me in. He's like, hey, dude, you want to play a demo game? I'm like, uh, sure. And then he got me hooked. Nice. So it was like way back in third edition. I was like oh, a demo game of Space Marines and Dark Elder. I still remember yep. it. It was a blast. Nice. Was that in North Carolina? Yeah, down around Charlotte. Yeah, yeah. Games Workshop Concord Mills. Yeah, that's the one. I used oh, to work there. Yeah, Jared used oh. to work there. Yeah. I did for like uh, six months. <laughs> did he resemble Jared? No. <laughs> no. Probably not me. <laughs> I did say this was like 15, 16 years ago, right? Yeah, well, that's. I was there 2000, 2001. It would have been close. This probably would have been like 98, 99. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was probably in there at some point. Um, anyway, so that's, yeah, that's funny. That store, that's two, three of us now that have been on the show that Concord Mills was kind of the Kickstarter for us. All right, so last question. Um, what is your favorite game to play now, miniatures game to play now? And then in that game, what's your favorite faction, army, warband, whatever? Well, I'm glad you limited it to miniatures games because I play a ton of board games. <laughs> but miniatures games, Underworlds is the only one I play, so that's easy. So it's automatically okay. my favorite. Um, favorite warband has to be Thundrix. I've played them almost since the start. Still okay. play them. Yeah. Nice. Well, cool, cool. Well, thanks for is that. that when, is that when you got started in Underworlds is when Thundrix came out? Like how long have you been playing Underworlds? I got started right about when Power Unbound came out. Okay. That's pretty close to that, like a week or two before that, maybe. And then, like you said, you've been almost exclusively Thunderix. Like you, you've beaten up on all of us numerous times with that warband. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think you've won glass yet, right? There's or have you? No, no oh, glass. Okay. Just the the non glass tournament. Oh yeah, that's right. that's right. That's right. But you you have a pedigree on the the online stuff, right? You've you've done well there with the the leagues. I made it, I think, to final eight in all the seasons so far. All with Thunder? Awesome. Yeah, all Thunder. All Thunder all day, every day, huh? Yeah. Yeah, up until recently here. Nice. That's awesome. Well, thanks, Stephen. Um, so we'll wrap up the intro here, and uh, we'll take a break, and we'll come back for the next section. And we're back. Well, now that we have the whole gang of Underworlds players here, the four of us, uh, take a little moment or two to talk about the Path to Glory Team League that is hosted online um, here. It started about a week ago, and the four of us, because we play all the time and we all have wonderful lives, we decided instead of just having three players on the team, we should have four because I'm certain that even with two weeks worth of uh, ability to get games in, one of us will not be able to make it. So we formed this wonderful team, and uh, Jonathan and Mon were kind enough to, to form the league, and we just wanted to talk a little about it, the first impressions. And and for I know for myself, I've always wanted to attend a team uh, tournament, but 
the fact that I only get to go to one major event a year kind of hinders me with that. So, um, Jared, you just want to walk us through the format real quick? I mean, you are our captain, so you should know it like in and out, right? Oh, yeah, totally. Totally know it. 100% in and out. Yeah, just I'm an expert. No, so, I mean, it's it's for the most part using the Alliance format, which is published by Games Workshop. So each uh, team creates three decks, uh, and the only rules are that none of the decks can share cards. Um, there are actually no written rules about... Uh, teams containing multiples of a single warband. But I think the fact that you can't repeat any cards, objective cards, gambits, upgrades, um, kind of prevents you know, multiple multiples of the same team because in a competitive setting, you're generally going to pick the best cards. So uh, if somebody can pull that off and pull multiples of the same warband, kudos to them. So each team you know, creates three decks, um, and then kind of the meta strategy comes when the, the pairing occurs. And the way that happens is there's a roll-off, and the team that wins the roll-off gets to present two of their decks. Um, and it's the decks are unknown, so present two warbands. And then the other team matches. And then it flips, so now the team... This, the first team gets to pick a match off, and then the third match off is just whatever's left. Um, and so it kind of creates this meta game where you have to figure out, you know, what kind of warband you think um, you want to be able to pick the pairing for, and what kinds of warbands, you know, maybe the pairing isn't as important. Uh, and I mean, there's a lot more that that went into that, you know, as we were kind of selecting our decks and selecting our warbands. Um, but, I mean, the format is, as I mentioned, it's what's outlined in the Alliance format for the Buy Games Workshop. So it's fun, and it's it's been kind of cool to take point on that um, and then get harassed by you guys because the pairings aren't what you wanted. Oh, the, yeah, you totally messed those up. But anyway, <laughs> so Stephen, what are your thoughts on the format? I mean, you're you're new to it. Like, how was your first impressions it was really cool. I like the metagame like Jared's talking about, trying to get the matchups that you want. That's uh, it brings a new dimension to the game. I like that. And um, having to split the cards amongst all the different people is kind of a cool concept, too. Makes for some interesting choices. Yeah, get some, some cards plays that normally are not. And, and I will admit that I probably messed this up week one because I, for some reason, my mind went to the 40K format where... It was like, it doesn't really matter if you win or lose. It just matters total points. Like, so you got to get like, you know, 20 points in the game, 20 points in the game, and then squeak out some. And the, the team with the most points wins. And for us, like, that would be like the 17,000th tiebreaker. It's just like winning games. So it probably sent us down the wrong path from from deck construction from, from the word go. But, hey, we're in this to learn. And, um... I still blame it on our captain because those yeah. matchups were terrible. I mean, they were just. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so why don't we go through the war bands that were that we did select for our first week and kind of the reason why? Um, the war band I played was Man Trapper, but I did not design the deck. Trace, you designed the deck. So, what was the thought behind 
why we selected Man Trapper and like kind of the deck build and and what was the thinking? So initially, that's kind of the direction that I went when Man Trapper first went out. So this is kind of a just an advancement with a few tweaks just to kind of play nice in the sandbox with other decks. Um, essentially, the whole goal behind it is just to destroy every objective on the board. Like that's the only thing that I thought about when I initially started building that deck. Um, just because we're in such a objective meta, objective heavy meta right now with, you know, the Grim Watches of the World, Thorns of the Briar Queen, you know, Sepulchral Guard made a little bit of a comeback for a little while. Um, just lots of objective claiming and the best way that I could think of to combat that without having to just kill everybody is, um, is to just get rid of the objectives. And so when I, you know, I, I started it, I started this idea with Stormsire and the magic angle, but when Man Trapper came out, um, I really felt like that was like his jam after seeing some of the cards and, Jason definitely <clears throat> like was like, this is exactly what you've been looking at. And I said, yeah, it really is. So um, kind of the whole idea behind it is just to remove as many objectives as possible and score glory just by getting through your deck. Um, we've already kind of seen that kind of come to, you know, it's pinnacle through other versions of the deck. But this was this is more of a um, little bit more passive than than that infamous deck that is that was played by Duncan Bills um, not too long ago. So that was kind of the initial layout of the deck. Um, I was un unfortunately not able to play this week just from due to family circumstances, so I really appreciate Jason stepping in and, and playing it. Um, I didn't really get to hear some feedback from that, so I'm interested to hear how Jason thought it played. Yeah, so, and then in the deck did that. So, you know, kind of when we were going through what warbands we, we were going to select, Rothgorn, of course, was kind of top of the list because he can do so many things. He's a big, big fighter, um, you know, with the, the new update to the, to the far restricted lists. Didn't really think that you could have a solid Tomes build. Um so we wanted to put him out there and kind of be like aggro, but he doesn't really care. There's a lot of passive scoring, and then he can go in and kind of and kill the objective holders. Well, my captain put me up against another man trappers. So it really was to me when I was thinking of the matchup, I wasn't I wasn't like worried about it at first, right? Like when like oh you're playing man trappers. To me, it was like oh whoever can kill their man trapper first is gonna win, right? Um, and, you know, when it came down to it, when the, the game started, uh, they were playing Tomes Man Trapper. And I was, the first game I knew it right away, like the boards were offset, the big sharp hit in the center, you know, like I'm 20,000 years away, he's 20,000 years away. Uh, and then he just, he had a lot of cards in there that wouldn't, I wouldn't say wouldn't normally be selected. They just rose to the top given the format and having to make hard choices with the other two warbands that the team took. Um, so he played Tomes, Man Trapper, and like Hawthorne. And game one, I just couldn't get to him. Like it was, I needed everything to go my way. I gave it my all. I ended up by losing Rothgorn, I think, at the end of two. And from that point forward, it was just, all right, don't even show my hand. 
I literally like just drew cards, and I think by the end of the game, I had twelve cards in my hand. I wasn't ditching anything. I wasn't playing anything. Um, and then game two, uh, the boards were flipped, so I got to kind of set up the alignment with the boards, and I just went hard. Like I'm like I'm going in, uh, and it almost worked out. Like I I think we lost by two glory, so I did get two owed. Um, but the deck worked well. Like it killed things. It just that passive tomes build with the healing that they had built into it. Uh, I could not could not get through Man Trapper, and in fact, I don't think I started t- uh, attacking Man Trapper until the end of game two. Um, but other than that, the deck the deck scored. I, th- I want to say it was like eighteen sixteen was the last game, something like that. So good. Um, it was really the matchup. Like if we had to do it all again, uh, I don't. I don't think that that would be the matchup we'd select, and the team had a better build for for that matchup. So um, that's kind of the first one. The second, um, and and obviously the Rothcorn, the way we had designed it was to go into objectives, um, but we also knew that Rothcorn could kind of play a little bit of both because we just wanted it to be aggro. Um, the second warband we selected was Lovely Grimwatch, and Jared got to play. The Grimwatch. So, yep. Jared, um, you know, what was your thought in the pairings? Who'd you so, play? Why? Well, so the hope was to, um, I mean, I think the real hope was that we weren't going to fight another Grimwatch. Um, and the deck was designed to be, it was pretty flex. So it had In the Name of the King. Um, I didn't have, did I have? I think I was even running Tim Victory. I don't even remember the deck now. Um, oh, but when the pairings came, green contact. Yep. Green contact. Can't remember yep. what the deck was. <laughs> it's been too long. That was like three months ago, right? It's COVID <laughs> time. I don't. It doesn't make sense to me. Anymore. Yeah. So, um, but but the idea was to be flex. So I included, you know, some hold objective, some easy scoring. You know, the the um, you know calculated risk. Uh, you know, but I also had objectives that you don't see a whole lot in there. Um, the one where you had to kill somebody in your territory. Um, but the thing that I was really banking on was amber bone weapons. So being able to put those on ghouls, uh, even with damage upgrades, um, and just protecting, um, the leader. Gosh, have I just been like drinking all day and I cannot remember anything? The The Duke. Mr. Cracknarrow himself. <laughs> um, so protect the Duke so that I can revive. You know, I promise Duke. people we really play this game. We do. We do. Um, <laughs> but when it came time for the pairings, and you know, we'll get into this, you know, when Stephen talks about his deck. But um, we really, my understanding was that we wanted to be able to pick the pairing for Thundric. We felt like that was going to be kind of the most important pairing because. Band trappers could kind of go into anything. Um, my deck was designed kind of to go into anything. Um, and so when the pairings came up, I presented Grimwatch and Man Trapper first, looking across the table at our other our opposing team who had a Grimwatch deck, a Man Trapper deck, and a Rip of Snarl Fang deck. Um, and I was I think I was kind of hoping that they would throw Man Trappers at me um, so that I could then get the pairing that I wanted. Um, and I was just going to play the Patsy um, and, you know, not worry about necessarily winning. Um, but that didn't happen. So the game, the first game went about as expected. Uh, when a flex Grimwatch is playing a pure 
objective at Grimwatch, and they get the objectives. Um, the second game went a whole lot better. Um, not because I scored a ton of glory, but I kept them from scoring glory because I got the objectives. And then in the third game, uh, they got the objectives again. And so it was closer than the first game, but still not um, still not able to win it. So I, I did take it to two and one, uh, which was nice, but it, it just didn't work out, um, you know, kind of the way that I wanted it to. Okay, good. And yeah, I mean, our Grimwatch deck was supposed to be the deck that we put out first. So with that, with that, you accomplished the mission. No one would have thought that they would put Grimwatch against Grimwatch. So, right. Uh, which, hey, look at that. There, he's a better Grimwatch player than you. <laughs> it's fair. <laughs> I mean, it, it happens. Uh, and then the third matchup was was uh, Stephen and his as we as Jared said it he gave him the surprise warband to play that he's just new and fresh to but Thunderix and Stephen you were supposed to score like all your glory and give up no glory how'd that go? Uh, not well. <laughs> I generally, like I would relish a matchup against Rippus. I've like it's a really good matchup for Thunderix, but. When Rippa's doesn't miss but two attacks over the course of two full games, it gets really rough really quick. So they both went about the same way. He had hot dice. He didn't miss. My dice were the exact opposite. I scored maybe two or three hits over the course of two games. And that's just rough. It's hard to come back from that. Yeah, especially playing against an aggro warband. What, how, what was the, the deck design? Like, what was the thought of Thunderix? Like, was it, was it Tomes? Was it aggro? Was it objectives? How, what was the build? Uh, it was aggro with a little bit of objective play in there. Uh, just because the biggest weakness I've had playing aggro is when people want to offset the board, like give me objectives so they can do board placement. That's been the biggest thing that I struggle with playing, uh, like pure aggro. So it was designed to combat that a little bit. But that didn't happen at all this. He got the rolls both off times, gave me an objective, set up on a short board, and uh, just annihilated me. So <laughs> I never had a chance to even hold any objectives. Okay. And how, because Thunderix are kind of your, your jam. Like, how difficult was it for you to design that style of play, which you would, you know, you play that quite often, without having access to the full suite of cards? Because I remember, you know, it's like, no, I need that one, and no, you need this one, and how'd that go? <laughs> um, yeah, it wasn't like uh, a fully tuned deck because of that, but I didn't feel it was overly gimped. Like, that was only probably three or four cards I would want to change out. So the difference wasn't overly bad. So I ended well, up doing, instead of doing like a full aggro thing, it was a lot of movement cards and push ploys and stuff like that in place of them. Yeah, which, I mean, some of those cards fell on fell on deaf, uh, deaf ears because the, the matchup you got, like Ripos, he wasn't standing on objectives or doing anything with the objectives, right? So Yeah. So a little tough, and, and I think we learned a lot. I think, you know, we kind of had preconceived notions, at least I did, going into the team format, designing those those decks, 
um, going through kind of matchups. I mean, when we when Jared picked those matchups and it was like, oh, well, we got Grimwatch and Grimwatch, Rothgorn and Rothgorn and, and Thundrix and Ripa's like, I didn't say, oh, we've lost. I said, oh, like, you know, we we have a chance. Um, so what, what do you think, you know, the decks were submitted for week two as of today. So we won't go into, you know, exactly what we what we are going to play or what our full decks or warbands are. But what do we what do we want to do differently going into week two? I mean, Captain or Captain, do you have any Yeah, thoughts? so I think setting a time where I can have real-time communication with you guys when we do pairings would probably help. <laughs> um, I mean, like, I kind of know what I'm doing, but, like, I would still like some input, you know, as we, as I look across the table and I see, you know, what the opposing team, what warbands they're bringing, it would be good to be like, okay, this is what we're looking at. I'm thinking this. What do you guys think? Um, and it just uh, it just happened where the timetables did not line up at all for the last pairing for anybody but me to get online to do it. And so I just gave it my level best. Um, and then, I, yeah, I think this time around, I think we've probably been a little bit more focused in our deck design, um, which should help. I think it, it felt like we were maybe a little too flex in all of the decks and probably we should have looked to skew more to get get a best. I mean, essentially we're looking for a best two out of three. We want to win two out of the three matchups. I still don't even know what deck you're playing this next week, Jared. I don't, (laughs) I don't either. (laughs) JD and Amon do because I submitted decks, but well, good. So, and Trace, do you think you're going to make this week? Am I going to take a step back from the, the Manio Trapper? Um, it's probably not likely. I've got a lot of stuff going on at work that's requiring me to be online, basically pulling doubles, essentially, every day. So, we have, we're, so for those who don't know, I work for a healthcare system, and we're I'm deploying a thing that's going to be a part of all the different primary cares in our state that will help them to will help schedulers to um, actually identify patients who need to have a COVID test and those who need to have an actual exam with a physician via video visit. So there's a lot of stuff going on for me. Plus I have to go to a memorial service on Wednesday and I'll be in Salisbury. So um Basically, don't count on me for this week. <laughs> Not because I don't want to be, just because it's been nutso. So, yeah, we we get that, and I mean, what's COVID? I've never is that still a thing? I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, I thought we were done. I thought it was over. Yep. So, well, good. Um, once again, want to thank uh, JD and uh, Amon for putting this league on, and I look forward to week two. I think, you know, to Jared's point, we will have a little more time to talk about the matchups because I think with submitting uh, decks beforehand, they will get our matchups tomorrow, which we'll be able to see the warband. So we'll have be able to have a little bit of communication before you make that captain's meeting and 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 select and do the the whole nine. But, um, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, we won one game with the deck that wasn't supposed to win. So there you go. There, bam. We got this. <laughs> Pros. <laughs> Pros. So, 
Um, with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be back to talk about the FAR update. The FAR update. It's been a few weeks for us, but we're slow. So, um, large, probably the biggest FAR update we've seen for Underworlds uh, since season two um, has dropped like a bombshell. Um, and yeah, we're going to talk about it. I want to get everyone's thoughts on some of the big, big changes and just, you know, what is the current state of the meta and what, what are your overall thoughts on? Is it good? Is it bad? Do you want to go back to playing, you know, good old beast grave without all the restricted cards? So (laughs) Steven, as a guest of honor, (laughs) you get to go first. What do you think is the biggest change out of this far and, and do you like it? Oh, I think the biggest change is them being willing to restrict faction cards. That was fantastic. I love it. Love it. So, yeah. you know, for those listeners that are that are under a rock, so they went in and they restricted um, Warband-specific cards of the Grimwatch in the Name of the King, Shifting Madness, for Lady Harrow's Morphlight, Tier 1 Will, um, for Rothgorn's Men Treppers, Unexpected Cutting, which is by far the most broke card I've ever read in my <laughs> entire life, and Tough and Hide. Uh, is Stormstar's Cursebreaker, Harness the Storm, and Thorns of the Briar Queen, Sudden Appearance. So, you said you like it. Why, why, why? Why do you like that? I think it gives them a lot of leadway in the future as far as keeping things balanced and even. Uh, it's hard when you're just hitting like the universal cards because some of them it's the faction cards that are the problem and this gives them an opportunity to fix that and tone it down so and you've got quite a few games under your belt here after post far because unlike a lot of us you've actually been getting in-person games in so congrats to you yeah it's Um, been great (laughs) so do you think you think the far achieved anything like did it did it strike home is it a better state of the game like what are your thoughts on that um, yeah, I, I think it is. It's, I think it's still in a state of flux. People aren't really quite sure what to do with it yet. You're seeing a lot of different cool stuff, which is a cool meta to play in when people are trying a bunch of new things and a lot of cool stuff's happening. Like I got to play against uh, an Amberbone Agro Grimwatch the other day. When was the last time you saw that? Since Jared played it. Yeah, uh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> it did really well there too, so... <laughs> How did it do when you, like, what were you playing against it? Uh, it was in my Vassal League game. I was playing my Thundrix deck. So yeah, it was not that? a good matchup for him. I kind of yeah. blew him away. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and you sure it wasn't Jared? Yeah, this was uh, Gerard. Oh, okay. We're, the per- we're basically the, professor. the same person. Yeah. <laughs> Our names are so similar. We'll talk about that deck later. We will talk about the professor's deck later when we get to our main topic in the Reavers. So, all right, good. So we'll kick it over to Trace. Trace, I know that you haven't had a ton of games in with the FAR, but you've definitely designed a lot of a lot of decks. So what was a big change for you? Um, uh, you know, since I've been really focused on Man Trapper, like he took a pretty big hit. I mean, not... Not that he's the he's not debilitated by any means because he has the most broken card in the game, as Jason so adequately put. Um, <laughs> Hunter's reflexes. Yeah, yeah. 
thankfully, that is no longer in the game. Um, you know, the 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 big thing for me is like he's so flexible that, like we talked about before, that you could really go any way with him. Um, so that's really my only experience that I've got right now is just kind of through the lens of him. Um, I did briefly play with the deck that we'll talk about later in the show um which but for the most part i think that a lot of what they've done was good for the game overall um restricting trophy belt made just made sense with as many things that they you know with tome of glories or tome of tome of offerings already being restricted um it just made sense to have its you know sister card restricted as well um but anyway, I mean, those those are really my kind of broad thoughts on the FAR. Sweet. All right. Then we'll kick it over to Jared, and who is just all about that Amberbone Grimwatch. Yeah, <laughs> just all about it. Um, so I think one of the things that I have noticed is, um, so adding Combination Strike and Opening Gambit to the restricted list hurts um so i love aggro um and right now there just are not good in phase objectives for aggro and so um it's painful because like you know i'm looking at combination strike and opening gambit as cards that um like are, they kind of prop up the aggro warbands it gives them a way to keep pace with everything else. But the thing about those cards is there's nothing that like my opponent can do to prevent me from scoring those. Um, and so they, they really just end up kind of being non-interactive interactive cards. I mean, I realize like I have to be able to do other things to score them. But when you look at, if you take aggro out of the picture and you look at cards like, in the name of the king or unexpected cunning or shifting madness you know cards that can be scored even with no activation right unexpected cunning play three power cards in a phase so you're telling me over the course of four activations and four power steps i have to play three of my power cards like that's super easy and now you've scored opening gambit like i mean that i mean that's it and now you're two-thirds of the way towards scoring no, yeah, or halfway towards scoring combination strikes. So it creates this non-interactive scoring that I think, um, I mean, it just seems like the designers of the game want to move away from that, and they want scoring to be based on interactions, um, or for it to be costly in your deck design to include those. And one of the things that that's reflective of is to to. I just go backwards, right? So we've been playing Warhammer Underworlds online, and cards like Opening Gambit and Combination Strike don't exist. And in playing that game, it is very rare that I will score more than like eight of my objective cards. Um, and I, you know, it it feels like maybe that's the direction that they want the game to go. And it's been refreshing to play that game in Warhammer Underworlds online, and it would be interesting to see if the game shifts in that direction in the future. Like if, if we get back to a meta where we don't have these combo cards where it's their win more cards. Um, 
So I hate that opening Gambit and Combination Strike are now restricted, but I also I think I can appreciate you know maybe where the game is headed, uh, you know kind of what's going on in the designer's mind. And we've said this before, but Hunter's Reflexes, uh, you know, getting Forsaken. I think it just makes sense. Like it's a super cool card, and it's a like it's a great card as long as Frothcorn doesn't exist. Yeah, as soon just, as he exists, you yeah. have a hunter, and everything else on the table is quarry. It it interrupts all of the reactions that happen after an activation. Like so, Snurk can't inspire, wolves can't bite. Like none of the reactions on Yeltharis, not that anyone is playing Yeltharis anymore, but none of the reactions on their cards work anymore. Like. It, I mean, it just blocks everything, and it creates that like confusing negative play experience that um, that the designers have talked about in their articles online about like why cards get forsaken. Yeah, and I'm so two points there that I I agree the opening gambit and the combination strike they do hurt aggro, but the the problem was is there was so many so much easy score immediately objective play or passive play or draw card play. That those cards just been were score mores. Like, and it really yeah, came yeah. down to objective, like, cycle through and it, card draw. It came down to card draw and the way that your deck came out. So, as much as I hate to see com- more combination straight go away, because I do think it bricked a lot of times too. Um, not, and it's not that they're going away, they're just restricted. So, you really have to, like, go into that style of play. Um, I think it, it, it worked out really, really well. Um, some great points with Hunter's Reflexes and for a, a card to be forsaken that is not like wordy or misworded or misinterpreted like that's a big move I mean like upper hand there was things that that could have could and could not be because you didn't roll dice so it was a little bit wonky you know aggressive de- defense keep them guessing extreme flank all of those things had gameplay elements that confused people Hunter's Reflexes was just a broken card so Great points there. Uh, just to elaborate on my un, unexpected cunning joke, uh, playing not very familiar with Man Trappers, only playing them a handful of times. Um, <laughs> in the team league, my opponent scored unexpected cunning on like the third activation when he had played some cards in the beginning of the turn, and I was like, that's not the way it works. And he's like, no, no, it is. And uh, I got. I mean, I scored it as well at my deck, so I was like, okay, well, then I'm going to score it too. But I was just, I guess I never slowed down and read the word phase. Like, it is the whole action yep. thing. All four activations. So, um, yeah, that's where I was like, wow, that card is super easy to score. Um, uh, but for me, you know, the, the uh, FAR or the update... Um, the big thing or the thing that I would like to pull, point out or is the way that ins- that fighters inspire. I do think it's a subtle yet pretty potent change where they are the inspire after the entire action or super action or activation is resolved. And in some cases, like you'll cast a spell and that won't actually be resolved until later on in the turn or until next turn. Um, I just thought that that was a very interesting way of going about it. Um, so if you haven't read that one yet, please jump into the, the FAQ, uh, and give that a read. And then overall, what did the, the far list do for me? 
I think that this is the best one yet. And I know I'm a little partial because I'm a huge fanboy of the whole system and the game. Um, but the tournament that took place right after this far dropped, you know, we got to see Steelhearts go, you know, both go undefeated their first two games of the seeding rounds, right? You still, you're seeing, you know, gets pop up back up there. You're seeing this Reavers deck that, uh, you know, that we've, we've put together. You're still seeing, you know, Rothgorn. You're still seeing Grimwatch. You're still seeing Briar Queen. Like, so you're still seeing everybody that was at the top. It just feels like the entire meta has been compressed. We actually did see Atharis Guardians. We're seeing um, some of the Lost Pages builds build back up with magic. So, um, you know, there, there may be something lurking out there with the spoilers right now in Lost Pages, believe it or not. So I think that the FAR really just, you know, kind of level set the entire game. And I'm really excited where we are, where you can have three seasons of Warbands that are all viable. And yes, some are still going to be better than others, but they're viable to play and can be competitive um, within a game, with you know, within a single game. Uh, I'm really excited about it, and I'm happy that it was uh, as extensive as it was. And I was a big proponent of not restricting faction cards and... They were right. I was wrong. That's why they get paid, and I get to sit here and talk on a microphone. Just to follow your point, Jason, I believe a Season 1 Warband more than this last tournament, right? Correct. So the last online tournament was won by the greatest. Scritch is the greatest. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) So, and who knows, we'll bring uh, this coming Saturday with the next big online tournament unfortunately i will not be able to make it my wife is deciding to go do something darn her um so i'll be watching the kids but for anybody that gets to take place and and roll some virtual dice good luck i think they got something like 54 people signed up for that so cool we will see all right guys well thanks for reviewing the far with me you know it's a big big update and it's a bold new world um, which will transition us into the next segment where we'll talk about all the things coming up for Underworlds so we may just know how long that this far is going to last before we get new cards. We'll be right back. And we're back. And we have new Underworlds content to talk about. So, like, we're not just going to hash the same old, same old. Um, so, recent article on the Warhammer community site um they gave us a roadmap for the upcoming warhammer underworlds releases um and so they started uh with the current month july went through august september october november and into december so i figure what we can do is just kind of lightning round through um if anybody has any first impressions thoughts emotions grievances um we can do that so we'll start with july um, they released a free downloadable solo way to play Warhammer Underworlds, uh, and it gives you the opportunity to play against the Fomoroid Crusher, I believe. Crusher. Name the name Battle the your fear of missing out. That's right. Oh, I didn't <laughs> even put that together. Yeah. <laughs> Steven coming in with the hot takes. So, Jason, mm-hmm. you own this model, right? Because of your uh, Slaves of Darkness army? I don't have this one particularly now. Oh, well, now you have yeah. another excuse to buy it. You will now. That's <laughs> right. 
I will now, and I mean, I've read through partial of these solo play rules. They look fun, uh, and I would look to our Twitch channels because I do think that this will be the way that I'll be able to uh, work out the kinks for live streaming a, a game and run one of these solo adventures through. So yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, and it's and it's not. So anybody that's played against the Gargant, there's basically one way to play. Um, with this one, um, you can actually kind of pick the mission. So I think there's three different like styles of play that defines the the opponent, the, the crusher's behavior, and kind of like how you score. Um, so it's not like a single way to play. So um, it looks pretty... I mean, it, it's free content, right? So even if it's like just above awful, it's still like we didn't pay money for it. So, um, <laughs> just it's. I mean, we've been we've been in lockdown for an eternity. Anything that gets me to play by myself with miniature things, right? Right. Yeah. Important clarification there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So so that's July, August. I think this is what everyone has been waiting for. We get Morgox Crushes and Morgoth's Blade Coven. So the three uh, big um, Auric Brutes and then the Daughters of Cain models. So three elf lady, four elf ladies and a snake elf lady. Um, so any, anything jumping out, Stephen? Anything? Either of these? Anything oh, pulling you away from they, the, the Profiteers? I, I don't know. They look sweet. I'm mostly excited about just some new cards to play with. Yeah. No, that'll be good. Orcs, 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 orcs. I was a little disappointed that in this preview we didn't get like any of the card. Like, give me a fighter card. Like we we've known what the models of you know gonna look like here for some time. It's yeah. like just just one like just some kind of nugget. Just one nugget. But I I mean I think when I'm a little torn, just like because there's so many things that I'm working on with Godsworn Hunts and the Reavers and all these other war bands that I want to play. And like, I still can't get them on the table, but I, the, the witch elves, like they look cool. I just, yeah. I want to play. I want to see what their cards are. I want to play with them. I want to snake lady, like do it up. No, who doesn't want a snake lady? And then I think Trace and I are in the same boat. Orcs, 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 orcs. orcs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll I, just sit back and pew pew do some more. Yeah, that's fine. They look like they can take it. Crush I mean, a smash. <laughs> <laughs> For you, Jared, I mean, are you are you all in? Because I know you played you played orcs. I mean, you've played orcs season one. For our first Nova experience, you yep. it was the first warband you jumped back into on Warhammer's Online. Yeah. So this is you. Is this you got you written all over it? I think the problem is that they like it's both now, right? Like I'm I I'm shoehorned into playing elves, right? Like I uh-huh. just have to now after the whole Yothari thing and then the Skates Wild Hunt thing. Like I have to, but then like yeah, Morgox crushes. There they are. Like I yeah, I think it's both. I think I'll play both. I'll figure out a way to play both at the same time by myself <laughs> on the same day. Excellent plan. <laughs> well, yeah. I'll just, I I hope for for August that you know, the in-person games can happen at a more regular clip um, for all of the world. So we can really see what these war bands have to do. I, 
I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts on? I mean, if they release these, the cards come out, and we're still in this whole online meta. Like, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, so I, I think it's interesting because I feel like with the like all of the remote play that's happening, I think metas are merging. Like I, I feel like it, you know, as as I read online about tournaments that happen in Spain or Italy, or you know Russia. You know, and I look at the decks, you know, there are that are published on Underworlds DB from those tournaments. I'm like, those are that's interesting deck choices being made, and and very different from like deck choices being made in England or, you know, deck choices being made in America. And I think I think it's been called out before that the like England tended to be very control, and America the American meta tended to be very aggro. And now with all of the remote play happening, like the worlds are colliding. And so I, I don't know. I mean, maybe with this release, we'll get kind of a, a global universal meta. And I, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that, Jared. I don't know. Like, I don't know if the, the Uber meta is going to be a good thing or a bad thing. Now that everybody's kind of, playing the same game, you know? Um, I know that sounds weird, but it's that's kind of what made things fun. And, like, with if they ever do get the, get the opportunity to actually do a world, like a world finals, right? Now everybody's going to be way more prepared for what the other people may potentially bring, which I think is interesting. It's just an interesting place for us to be. Yeah. What do you what think, about, Jason? I I agree with you guys. Like, yeah, I agree. What do you? I mean, what do you think about? You know, we're still in the in the U.S. We're still hot and heavy on social distancing, right? So, what happens if that continues four or five months down the line? Like, what if these? We already have Nurgle and Mantrapper that really, at least in the Raleigh meta, never saw the light of day. Like, we have players in Raleigh that I've never had Mantrappers across the board from, right? So, what happens if these two fall the same for this? Like, that's those are the questions that I'm more interested in for yeah. me because Underworlds is meant to be the most competitive game as you sit across from each other. And I'd hate to see these two warbands kind of get, like, get lost in the shuffle from, from COVID, right? Yeah. I think the strength of those two warbands, though, I don't think that that'll happen. I think that you'll see they'll still be present, but they won't have had their day, like in person day, which is kind of which is kind of crappy. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I agree with all the tournaments. People will be played out of the Rothgorn and Nurgle by the time they get back to in person. Yeah. Yeah. And if and if it extends, I think Jason, you've got a good point. I think it it may happen where, you know, if it happens too long, not to jump ahead to December, but <laughs> like I think you might be right. I think that, you know, they they may never see tabletop play, um, because of that. So, um, so well, I mean, we'll jump there, right? So September, October, November. You know, not uh, September is going to provide a new multiplayer expansion. Um, so, uh, you know, a, a way to play a more defined way to play than you know the the multiplayer rules in the rulebook. 
Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not really sure exactly what that means at this point. Um, but we do know that in October, there are going to be fighter car downloads for the multiplayer mode. So, um, those will be free. So I don't, but I don't know, I don't know what that'll be. I mean, just from the website, it says this will be a true game changer involving brand new game mechanics like player health pools, um, defend yourself as well as your fighter. So like a player health pool, I mean, is that a la magic? Yeah, I was going to say, is like this magic that we're talking about? Yeah, like am I going to have a D20 sitting there on the table with me to say like I have this many hit points left? Um, but, it, you know, it'll be cool to see, um, you know, expanded multiplayer rules. Um, and then in November, we're going to get another free download. So another kind of free download way to play. Uh, not a lot of details on that. Um, yeah, other... Just the picture and it says free. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, th- there's not even like, it's a, yeah, yeah, it's just like a free download. At least the multiplayer <laughs> expansion, I don't, it looks like it has box art or something on it, right? Like you've got, you know, Dragnar's on there, Mantrapper's on there, or Gashrak is on there, Mantrapper, Morgok is there, Sepsimus is there, the Duke is there, like... You know, like there's some kind of picture there, but yeah, for the for the new way to play, there's no picture. But for December, there is a picture. Mm-hmm. It also does not give us very much information. But it's we reindeer. It's a reindeer. <laughs> rain, rain, ram deer. I don't know. It's, it's tyranny. It's a reindeer for Christmas time. That's yep. what it is. Yep. So we know. We planned it the whole time. COVID involved. <laughs> Games you heard it here. Responsible for COVID. Produced COVID, yes. Just so they could release their reindeer box art. Exactly. At Christmas. So December 2020, Warhammer Underworld Season 4 begins. Um, yeah, so... I don't know, so, what do we think, Stephen? I'm looking forward to it. Uh Shaking up that meta, you know, get rid of all these old cars, something fresh, something new. Ah, that rotation, man. Whew. Gosh. This one, this one's going to hurt. Yeah, this Personal one does hurt. hurt. This one's going to hurt a lot. I'm just going to look at, let's <laughs> let's just go through this. Let's go. I'm just going to read this off. Are you So all of the cards from the current far list that are going to rotate, are you ready? Go. Objective cards. Acolyte of the Cataphranes. Bursts of Speed. Calculated Risk. Combination Strike. Long Strider. Opening Gambit. Sorcerer Scouring and Warning Shot. I'm crying and troll. I'm crying (laughs) and troll so hard right now. Yep. All right. Power cards that go. Blazing Soul. Pit Trap. Sphere of Akshi. Slumbering Key. Spirit Bond. Sudden Growth. Tome of Offerings. Tome of Vitality. Transfixing Stare and Well of Power. R.I.P. Yotharis. It's going to be so refreshing. <laughs> yeah. It, it will be. It will be. And this, it will be a hard pill to swallow just because, like, I feel like we missed out, right? Like, I do feel that we yeah. missed out on some of these cards. Like, yeah. which would, which, whatever. No one, although Trace has his conspiracy theories, no one knew. And we got to move the game forward. And I guess that that's, what ex- <laughs> that's what's exciting is it's still moving forward. There's still stuff to look forward to, yeah. um, but Blazing Soul and that doesn't that mean um, oh what is it 
where you inspire standing on the objective. That Rego one. Vision. Yeah, both inspire cards. Oh, bye bye. Bye bye. Yeah. Going back to Megor's Fiends. But yeah. that gives an opportunity to bring something new in. That's right. Yeah. Well, and and just think about it this way. So, Jason, you did you did mention like, you know, we didn't get to play with these cards, and you're worried about, you know, Morgoks and Morgwaiths being able to have their heyday. Like, if it weren't for COVID, like, I mean, we would be looking at probably the final far list dropping nowish for season three, right? And yep. then, I don't know, end of August mid-september somewhere in there i mean that's that's when season four would have started so we're getting kind of three more months of yeah the current meta that so i mean maybe there is time maybe there is there will be time for in-game in-person gaming with with the new war advance i don't know it's a that is a great point we've definitely the the meta has lasted longer than normal because we would be we'd we probably would have already had those two war bands and then, you know, Nova being the final for the world championship or, you know, whatever. I, I would assume that season four would have been right behind that. So yeah, we are. Thanks. Thanks for giving me the silver lining. Appreciate there it. There we go. Bam. Always look on the bright side. Of that's right. Well, I mean, but that's it. So that's what we've got. So if you're looking to play with yourself, and miniatures. <laughs> you can go to the community site and download the solo uh, play experience now. Next month we get the new warbands. September we get the new multiplayer expansion. October new fighter cards for the multiplayer expansion. November another new free way to play. And then uh, December, Merry Christmas to all the Underworlds players. We get season four. So uh, so with that we'll uh, we'll wrap this section up. We'll take a break and we'll come back for the next section. Blood for the blood god. Skulls for the skull throne. What's up? Welcome back. Um, so we have decided to talk about a little pet project, I guess, that we've all kind of had a hand in working on at some point. Mostly Jason. It's all started with Jason. But then, like, I've run a different version of this deck. I think Jared's run a little bit tweaked version of this deck a little bit, at least practicing with it. Um, and we that is, we are going to talk about the Reavers. Um, so, also lovingly known as Dat Jank. Um, so, <laughs> we're going to... We're going to kind of go through this deck a little bit and talk about kind of what what kind of brought this deck about and how we how we think it could be fun and interesting um, for you to play with your buddies and possibly in a tournament if you practice enough with it. So, Jason, why don't you walk us through the objectives of this deck and kind of tell us a little bit about where your brain's at with that when we first started doing this yeah for sure so uh this deck started back in december of this past year so that'll tell you how long like this thought has been been out there with the group yeah and three it, years ago last yeah, december three, yeah three years ago so but um the thing of it was is we never got a chance to take it anywhere i think trace took it to one 
like mini local that was basically four people like Jared, myself, Trace, and one other guy. So mm-hmm. we really didn't get a chance to to let its wings fly. Um, but you know the the thought is is reavers are fast and reavers kill stuff and reavers die, die. <laughs> and they die well and. It all started like, and by this point, this technology or the, you know, this deck tech has kind of been out there for some time, but I think putting the reaver spin on it is, is still fun. So it started with to the end. And that was the, the card that kind of sparked the, the thought process of this reaver, reaver creation. Um, and then you kind of mix that with the way that, you know, Jimmy had played reavers back at Gen Con where just, just die. Um, but, uh, you know, to the end tech, tech has been out there now for for a few months and you know this is applied to the reavers uh what you're gonna have to do here is you're gonna have to make really really hard decisions and i'll save that objective to the last um so you know when you're starting to use this deck remember that you need one kill um you would like that to be a timely kill so you have um uh it you know, it begins, I believe, is the card. Yep, that's yep. the one. Um, you know, so you would like it to be a timely kill, uh, but you just need one kill and then for all your guys to die. So uh, the the deck starts with Blood for the Blood God, which is immediately scored immediately if you make three charges. The other thing to remember with this deck is you're not going to score every objective. Like, the goal is to score 18 glory because that seems to be... Right about where, um, you know, the the breaking point is for a lot of wins. Um, in this deck, you probably will not score all of them because if you draw blood for the blood god in the third phase, you probably don't have three fighters to charge with. <laughs> um, you know, then it goes to it begins, which is just one fighter um, for each warband out of action, and it's an end phase card. Uh, Corn Cares Not is kind of a linchpin of the deck. It's five fighters out of action in any end phase, and they can be any five fighters. Uh, your warband is five fighters, so die and die well. It's my favorite card. <laughs> uh, Branching Fate, uh, Calculated Risk. The new addition is Digging Deep. So before the Far List, this was Opening Gambit, um, but now Digging Deep, uh, just like everybody else, is kind of plugged in here um keep chopping which that's one that if you don't score it folks it's okay uh if you have to ditch it or it comes up later in the game get rid of it but if you get it turn one or draw into a turn one it's it's too glory um martyred which depending on your play style you could swap out for a strong start the problem is is that reavers die to a stiff breeze so um you know, martyred could be better or it could be switched. Gathered momentum um, to the end, as we mentioned in the start, and then cover ground, and then you bring that all home with hoarder. Um, nine unspent glory, and that's really where this deck kind of hinges on decision making. Um, scoring hoarder in an aggro deck where you're just slamming into people. Uh, especially when it's accompanied with the additional glory in your upgrades, um, you know it's it's a it's a balance. Like you have to have nine glory at the end of the game, um, and if you have nine glory at the end of the game, let's just like that's three additional glory that you're going to get, 
and nine unspent glory at the end of the game. You're going to get that three, so that'll take you to 12. You're probably going to score to the end, so that'll take you to 14. And then you're probably going to score corn cares now. That's going to take you to 16. So everything in between is just to get to nine unspent glory, get those kills, or get your easy score immediately. That's it in a nutshell. It's a lot. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of dice rolling, but the decisions are hard. So it's not going to win every game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the objectives. Thoughts, guys? I mean, it's that jank. I mean, as as Trey said, like it is not. You know, if I looked at this, and I was like, "How does this even perform? Like, how does this even function?" And I think the the key here is that you're looking at an objective deck that is not designed to score every objective. And that's not what people do. Um, unless they're playing like super heavy objective base, right? Like if they're running all the tax supremacies and stuff where they're the total glory is something stupid, like 22, right? Like obviously you're not designing a total glory deck of 22 glory to score all of that. Like it's just there to give you options. But with the total glory of only 17, you look at this deck and you're like, I don't get it. I don't see how it functions. Like, it doesn't make any sense. And I think the key to that is kind of some of the cards that you have in the gambits and upgrades. But that, like, my first take on the objectives is like, I don't, it doesn't make any sense. How does this even work? Trace, you've run it. You've run a little different version, but. Yeah, mine was a little different than this one. I just, um, I, the deck that I ran kind of, banked on the same principle of like you want to try and score every <laughs> score every objective but if you don't it's fine because it's got a high enough glory total that you're not really worried about it especially with some of the upgrades that we have um so mine you know and this is i i, I the deck that i ran was different in the fact that i took out hoarder and i put in perfect match and i put in one other thing and it was um, I think I took out Martyred. It's been a while since I've looked at it. But my version was a little bit different, but it kind of operated on the same principle of you don't care if you die, attack and kill anything that you can. But the reason why I took Hoarder out and put in something else was because I didn't like the idea of trying to just hold on to nine glory throughout the whole game. I would prefer to, like, if I draw an upgrade, I want to spend my glory to use that upgrade. Um, and that's just the true aggro player in me. So, of course, me driving this deck and Jason driving this deck. Jason's had much more success driving this deck than I have. <laughs> um, but, you know, it it's odd when you play it, you go through and you're just like, oh, crap, how do I have six or seven glory right now i didn't do anything like you know it's just kind of it's kind of odd it's a weird feeling like you you you're interacting with your opponent but you like if you don't kill you're just looking for that one kill like jason was saying and after that like you're like the deck doesn't drive itself but it you don't feel like you're on your back foot at any at any time really so yeah yeah so, so let me walk you through gambits and upgrades just real quick. Seems that we haven't done that yet, and we both mentioned how there's additional glory built into it. So I'm going to start with the upgrades. So it's Bag of Tricks, Crown of Avarice, Potion of Rage, Tome of Glories, 
Tome of Offering, Amberbone Dagger, Amberbone Spear, Great Strength, Great Speed, Sting of the Urgrub. So, um, Bag of Tricks, if you need that one card, you can put it on. And you can get that one card, plus it helps with card draw. Um, specific card draw. Uh, Crown of Avarice, like, you're going to die. And if you need a... And it's really more... That is more of a um, risk-reward for your, your opponent. You're going to play that when you don't want someone to die. And if they do die, you're going to steal glory back, right? So that's that's kind of like, all right, I'm going to spend the glory to get that out. Potion of Rage kind of goes without saying. Tome of Glories, once again, you're basically with that, when you go to play Tome of Glories, you're spending one to get one. So you have to, like, if that comes out early and you can get it on and you're in your backfield and you're way far back in the board, sure, because you're probably going to score it turn one, you're probably going to score it turn two, um, but it's trading a keep chopping, right? Mm -hmm. So just know when you spend that, you're probably not going to score a keep chopping if it comes out in turn one and turn two. Uh, Tome of Offerings, that's a good one because like you're going to spend a glory and you're going to get two, hopefully, off of that. Amberbone Dagger, Spear, same same trade-off there. And if you have a Spear and Dagger kill on Tome of Offerings, now we're talking. Um, great but speed. wait, there's more. <laughs> well, we'll get there. We'll get yep. there. <laughs> uh, great Speed is there for cover ground uh, and to help gather momentum if need be. Mm -hmm. um, great Strength is in Sting of the Urgrub are there to for it's more. So uh, one of the cards that I absolutely love in this reverse deck is a gambit called overkill. Uh, I do think it's getting traction right now out there in the meta, but it has not been played um, in the entire, in the entirety of beast grave that I'm aware of and put in reavers. The other thing you have to remember about this deck is it was mainly designed when we were an objective heavy and we may see a, right. a tr transition, right? This was like, thorns grimwatch like the, anything that has a two wound fighter you're like yes even man trapper with the with the nobblers, nobblers yeah. so you're gonna load up um sake you're gonna run them in you're gonna do three damage you're gonna get you know overkill and there you go it's two two glory or you're gonna have somebody beefed up with a spear and a dagger um so overkill is one of the the crucial gambits in, in my Opinion. Then you have Spectral Rings, Unnatural Truce. I think those are two really self-explanatory ones. Tracking, uh, Frenzied Search, because it is a card draw deck, and there's my third and final Restricted. Uh, inspired Attack, which really you're, the damage is great because it helps with with um, Overkill, but it's the plus one dice. Yeah. Um, to have Branching Fate in the deck, you need you need to get people to three dice. So it's the plus one dice that really helps. Um, Haymaker can also be thrown in there to get to get more dice. Um, and then you get Blood Offering, which is more dice, but more importantly, you take a wound. Ghoulish Pack, which is a free upgrade, doesn't cost you glory, plus you take a wound, and whipped into a Frenzy. More damage to score overkill, plus you yep. take a wound. And the reason that I really, really emphasize because you take a wound is because when you reach a certain point in the game with this deck, you might actually want to kill your fighters instead of allowing your opponent's mm -hmm. opportunities to double down on their glory. Um, once you get that one kill out, you know, you're fine. Like I had a game today, I played against man trappers in, in a remote game 
and like I probably had it if I just would have drawn cards and sat back. I got keep chopping. I got blood for the blood god. Turn one, I killed a few things. I had my seed glory. I probably should have just ran away or drew, drew cards, but I got greedy and just tried to kept killing things. Um, and when we talk about the the hoarder, like Trace, like I don't, you know, nine glory, nine glory. Really, you're sitting. You want to sit on five. Five, like if you can get back to five unspent glory in turn three, you're going to score to the end and you're going to score corn cares not. And once you score those two cards, don't spend those glory, right? So within the deck or within kills, you can probably get five, maybe six, seven, eight glory. You can spend three and you can make decisions to trade off to spend one to get two and three back. But five is what you need. If you have five, you'll end up with nine which means you'll end up with 12. So that's the, the, the whole thing in a nutshell and kind of my, my thought process on it, process on it, Stephen. Being the, the outsider, I think you've only seen this deck once. What are your thoughts of this conversation? It looks like a really fun deck. Uh, very cool. Yeah, you have to think a lot, which it's not just a mindless run-in-and-hit stuff kind of deck. No. It is turn one. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you have keep chopping and blood for the blood god in hand. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. It looks very fun to play. I should, uh, the next local thing I go to, I'm tempted to take it and try to run it. Yeah, you should, you should man. You should. It's a lot of fun to play. So, Jason, I have a, like a mind question for you. Correct. So, say that, say that you are in round two right and there's five fighters dead do you wait to score corn cares not until the end of the game or do you score it i score it okay i just cycle through and and take it make sure i have my glory and move on to the next the the real some of the other balances i mean like i played um i played a game a remote game in the league last season was it last season yeah it was last season um against a grimoire or uh, i'm sorry a thorns player and we went three games so like this deck is not going to fire every game like you're going to be grinding out and i want to say like my glory in the one game was 24 25 it just it just hit everything hit and the thing with reavers is you throw a lot of dice like once you start getting that glo- that glory and kind of it builds and builds, I mean, think about it. Like, plus two dice, plus one dice, another two dice, like, Ocean of Rage. You know, Karsis is already, like, has three dice. Like, you're just you're just slinging those dice, which goes back to my Godsworn Hunt days. Like, it's, to Steven's <laughs> point, it's a, it's a ton of fun. And when somebody dies, don't worry about it. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, Steven, you should definitely take that deck the next time you go play somewhere local and see, if nothing else, just for kicks and just be like, I scored 12 glory in the third. <laughs> like, because like, I think we've at, at least, I know Jason and I have both had that moment where we've just been like, I score this and then I score this and then I score this and now I have 18 glory. And you're just like, what did I do? How did I get here? So. 
Oh, yeah, for sure. And the guys I'm playing with here locally, they're just getting into Underworlds. So a lot of their decks aren't optimized and stuff. So I think something a little janky like this would be pretty fun to run. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. It can go it can go sideways quick. I mean, even in the game today, like, my opponent was like, oh, are you done? Because I was dead. The top of turn three, like, the bottom of two, all my fighters were dead. And I want to say it was, yeah, it was 15-11. And my opponent's like, oh, well, you just want to call it? And I was like, no, like, I need to... I need to draw the rest of my hand out. Like, and he was like, Oh really? Yeah, really. And it would have been a long shot. Cause I misplayed one activation where I just didn't draw a card. Like I said, but if that turn three, if I would have drawn into hoarder and then I could have drawn my last three, um, power cards, I would have scored to the end hoarder and digging deep would, and I would have won the game. 18-16 instead of losing it 16-15. Nice. Um, but what breaks this deck, I will tell you, because I said we were going to talk about Professor's Grimwatch uh, Amberbone deck, I will tell you what... I used to love going into Grimwatch, but now that they're shifting to more aggro, um, a transfixing stare will mm. kill this deck. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, he used that a lot. Me too. Yeah, he he come in, he plug somebody, kill kill them, score his glory, and like transfixing Sir Garrick and it or say whoever it was, and it was like, oh, not only did I lose a fighter, but now I have a fighter that's going to do nothing the rest of the turn. Great. I have to say, he must have played you just before he played me because he was bemoaning the fact that I had range three attacks and it really didn't do anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So. Well, well, thanks for the insight, Jason. Um, Jared, did you have any other thoughts about the power deck at all? No, I mean just the you know I mean the key there, right? I think that the 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 things that tied in Tome of Glories, Tome of Offerings, Amberbone Dagger, Amberbone Spear, and Overkill just you know ways to get extra glory in your power deck that yeah mean that you don't have to score your entire objective deck. Yeah, it's crucial. Um, I will say that I've really enjoyed playing it the few times that I have. Um, but for those of you out here looking for fun new things to try that might be a little different, try this deck out. Let, let us know on the Facebook page or anything else how you felt about it. And I think we're going to go to the next section, which may be just wrapping us up for the night. To the end. And we're back, and that'll round us out. As always, we'd like to say thank you for listening. Um, if you are following us along, I know that Jason is streaming the episode, so you can probably go back and find us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash tablednoob. Is that right, Jason? Did I get that right? Yep, you got Something it. like that. I think if, uh, if you go to twitch.tv slash battlemallet, we're starting to do some twitchy Twitch stuff. <laughs> we're Battle Mallet Podcast on Facebook. Battle Mallet PCAST on Instagram, Battle Mallet One on Twitter. Um, so find us there, you know, follow along. You can comment, you can re- reply, um, whatever platform you're using to listen. If you could give us a, a subscribe and a review, we'd appreciate that. Um, 
If you are an Underworlds player, which I'm assuming you are, since you're listening to this Hexed episode, um, there is a remote tournament um, that you can join in on on the um, on the 29th. So if you have questions about how to how to jump into that, you know, just hit us up. Not the 29th. Uh, not the 29th. The no, 25th. 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 It is July 25th, this coming Saturday. Um, you know, hit us up on Facebook or Twitter, um, you know, and we can get you the details for how to join in on that. Um, but I think that's it. So that'll uh, that'll wrap us up for tonight. Um, so for the Battle Milet Podcast, we are actually four dads tonight, one of whom has a Sky Pirate Dwarf fixation. <laughs> this is Jared signing out. This is Trace signing out. This is Steven. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, guys. And I'm Jason Table New Murray. Get the hell out of here. Peace. under the Creative Commons license. If you have further questions as to its use, you can find more information via links on podcast.battle-mallet.com. Music by Anno Domini Beats. I'll edit this and I'll have the right answer in there and the link will be in the show notes. Whatever. Who does this anymore?